this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest episode. 146. I'm your host, Mike Epps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, uh, can't think of a pithy line. David McBurney, Fanboy Master. Um, trying to keep the noise down over here. Uh, Gaijin Minogatari, Michael Baker. Yeah. We have nap time in the other room. Yeah. That's wise. Thankfully, they are all down for the count, and two out of three are very, very firm sleepers. Nice. So, how are people bound? Tired. <laughs> yeah. But what else is new? <laughs> fair point, fair point. Um, I finally got farther in Saga Scarlet Grace. Oh. Yay beat the, the stupid, well, I don't want to say beat the, quote-unquote, beat the Phoenix. Those tend to not stay dead. It was an assisted suicide and rebirth. Yes, exactly. Sometimes you're just sick of your current life and move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, that is... <laughs> That is done and moving on there. And I'm, I've also been playing it on my tablet and started. Uh, got yet a, another campaign. Yet another campaign. I can't remember her name. Um, right is it Opina? Uh, the other girl. Opina. <laughs> yes. And her quest starts out pretty interesting where you're on patrol duty and then all of a sudden there's monsters all over the place so that's that's fun yeah yeah i've i've been working my way through hers a bit too and um on the second time to, to do this one and she definitely has the most what's the right word here ordered narrative of the four hmm. as in she actually has a plot line going on yes uh, that just seems so, unfair so um <laughs> She's she's kind of equivalent to Albert in Romancing Saga, the original, because her plot is pretty well central to the concept behind the entire setting. Mm. So. Good times. We'll see oh, where that goes. I'm sure things will work out great for wheels, as they always do. By which you mean horrible, horrible death is... Going to greet me on my adventure soon. Oh, the other wheels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to keep making jokes. <laughs> <Try and stop. laughs> what have you been playing, uh, Gudgeon? Well, um, so, so I've got yet another playthrough Scarlet Grace going on, and I've also just arrived in Lorimar in Final Fantasy Adventure. Yay. Oh, nice. Yep. You playing uh, English or Japanese? I'm playing the version that Wheels sent me, which is Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, but I. Oh, yeah, yeah. That version probably didn't have the English version patched into it. Nope. <laughs> That's a shame. 
I think the English version might have the Japanese versions available, but maybe I'm just uh, thinking of a lot of the other things that uh, M2 has been involved with. Mm-hmm. Could be, but yeah, that's a great collection. Yeah. Three otherwise difficult to get a hold of games as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Secret of Mono less so, but... <sighs> Well, that was quick. <laughs> Start to wheels shooting someone. <laughs> but yeah, let's see. As for me, I haven't played anything that requires a serious time commitment in the past week because I've been thoroughly busy, mostly job hunting. But oh, that's always not fun. Everyone loves it. <laughs> not recommended. No. Wait, did you shoot someone in the head who was just like a friendly NPC? I don't know what you're talking about. That that is like a heinous <laughs> accusation, and not something I would ever do in any sort of open worldy game. I think you I think you might have some like things to work through. Whatever. Uh, Whatever, man. You play Grand Theft Auto. It's all the same. It's not though. But okay. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, unless someone wants to listen to me ramble about Street Fighter, which you don't, uh, then yeah, I got nothing to add to any what what we've been playing discussion. <laughs> like Put your cell wheels. Something else too. Um, uh, Pokemon's obviously. I'm gonna get near the end. Oh yeah, do you go back and fix that? Um. And also Nino Kuni on the Switch. Not remastered, but still Nino Kuni. I'm determined <laughs> to like it. Despite its terrible battle system. Yeah, you know. Miserable failure of a battle system. Yeah. But it's so pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. But at the same time, the DS game was better on a lot of different levels. Yeah. One day we also play that. Yeah, about. One of the few things that the PS4 ver- or PS3 version changed for the better was the location of the Spirit Temple. So it worked better in the story there. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just like, yeah, could have been better. Could have made better choices. <laughs> Many things are pretty. Well, make that. Never mind the uh, the fairy stand-up comedy act was also pretty good yes. for a new material. Uh. Yeah. For me, it's really the combat that sinks it. Yeah, it, it really feels like they took some like variation of the uh, uh, fantasy life battle system and upsized it and did some other weird things. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it is pretty. No one's going to disagree with that. Supposedly... No. Supposedly... Nino Kuni 2's combat is less complicated and bad. It's mm-hmm. completely different. It's basically I don't want to. It's sort of Tales-ish, but not quite. But it's it is nothing like Nino Kuni one. It's completely. Different. I mean, that's that's a good endorsement. Yeah, yeah. I really should play that sometime, and hopefully they will bring it to Switch so I can. Feels like something that should find its way there eventually, but level five has been very. 
up and down on Switch, so I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we had news this week. Did we? Oh, Pokemon. The Pokemans. Pocket Monsters. A lot. Uh, two DLC packs totaling $30 in price that will be in place of a third version. So you can just okay. use, use your actual Pokemon team. <laughs> so I'm going to guess at some uh, point they will re-release the game with the DLC bundled in. Yeah, I would suspect that for a third version, what we will get is the game bundled with some DLC, with the DLC and possibly... So one of the other things, Gaijin doesn't seem to have heard about this, one of the other things is that it's adding back... Uh, I actually had heard a little bit about this, but... Yeah. Okay. It's, it's adding in 200 of the old Pokemon into the new DLC areas that hadn't appeared in the main game. I would suspect that if there's a third version, we might see some of those get dropped into the original core campaign. Yeah. Thing, thing is, wasn't yeah. part of the issue actual space limitations, so the DLC's kind of offloading some of that to the Switch's own memory? I don't think it was space so much as logistic limitations, but... Mm. Like, it, that. it's also <laughs> worth noting that there have recently been indications from the company that manufactures most of the Switch cartridges that they are uh, finding ways to manufacture larger one, larger cartridges and to uh, reduce the price of high-capacity Switch cartridges. So. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that's what happened with the Super Nintendo as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the natural progression of technology, but it's useful to see what kind of timetable they're working on. So... Yeah, that might also produce some very strange Switch ports in the future. <laughs> just Yay. from the fact that, like, oh, we can just put them all on that, put them all on that newly cheaper big old cartridge, and see yeah. what comes of it. Hopefully, that and, mean we'll finally and cue get the com- Dragon Quest and cue some of the complaints. Mm-hmm. Cue some of the complaints on Facebook or on our Facebook page or the forums about how it's a three hundred dollar uh, retro gaming machine. <laughs> and my point, and my thinking being, is there a problem with this? I like all of these things being portable now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. It used to be that I couldn't get decent like action games and FPSs on handhelds. I mean, you can oh. play Dragon Quest Eleven on your Switch on the go. And it really doesn't feel like a step down from the PS4 yeah. version. <laughs> Anyway, this actually kind of ties into Budai's third question. Yeah, let's pull that up. Uh, do, you do you ever... ever... Yeah, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> which of us is reading this? You go ahead. Okay. Do you ever worry for a future where some of these consoles are hard to find, actu- hard to, find to actually play games on? Practically for future generations who may not have played them originally? I feel like we're... Like, the, the ones that are what we would consider desirable don't really have like they're being manufactured in the tens to hundreds of millions i feel like the ones that are actually a problem at this point and like we're already seeing the problem like good luck getting a functional like this is a 
appeals to no one statement, but good luck getting a functional Jaguar CD. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those things, mean, those things likely like, just don't work. But I mean like an or an old Super Famicom or Super Nintendo, which you yeah. can still get them, but you're going to have to hunt a bit, and it is really much easier to go through Nintendo's um, eShop for some of these games. Now, yeah. Granted, I wish they had more of the old crazy stuff on. Yeah, one of the things I've liked about the Switch Online SNES lineup is that it's full of things that a lot of them are things that no one would probably purchase individually, which makes them great for things that you can just put onto a thing and be like, what is this? <laughs> but, yes. Uh, like the other one, the ones I would actually be concerned about, like, you know, legal or not, emulation fairly well covers things like the Super NES and anything yeah. up through like the PS1. Uh, like, and, but and that's the, been true for two decades now. Yeah, but like if you look at something like the Saturn, doesn't emulate well. Pain to get ones that work well. Like require maintenance often. Like mm-hmm. those are a problem. Yeah. So, so we have to hope that Sega will. Uh, or some of the companies associated with them will actually attempt to port some of these games. Yeah, which Sega has proven historically unwilling to do, which is part of the problem. It's time for Wheels to play yep. Rayman 3. Uh, but, uh, let's see. So, yeah, like, the ones I'd really be worried about are most, like, because Super Nintendo, the Genesis... Those companies see a lot of money in making sure that you can always play those games, at least the big ones. And then, like, because of the way that the Super NES Classic and the Genesis Classic work, they have, like, emulators that are quite nice if you want to, you know, do something of dubious legality. But, like, when you get to things that maybe had interesting games on them but weren't successful, then you get into a thorn patch of... Oh, good luck. Or if you're like me and just want to play weird things, I mean, good luck getting the one game.com emulator working. Go ahead, ask me about the game.com. <laughs> Please, tell me about the game.com. Don't you love Tiger handhelds? What if they were also Game Boys? That sounds horrifying. Yeah, well, what if it also had a touchscreen in, like, 1995? That what it has like it has a terrible degree of sensitivity it has a worse screen than the original game boy that can't but that's that can. worked. uh it's one of my favorite things it has the packing game like this is just art the packing game was a tie-in game to the film batman and robin uh... like like i said art um <laughs> Let's see. Uh, but yeah, that thing, there is one emulator for it. It is not compatible with anything uh, more recent than Windows 98 because it seems to be a leaked uh, SDK uh, like emulator for testing pre- games that were not yet released. Huh. <laughs> Very strange. But, like, nothing on that system is actually good, but, like, the idea of it disappearing into the ether would be sad, and it's actually kind of hard to play anything from it. Because Game.com's old, things sold, like, 
maybe on the outside one million units. <laughs> like that's those are the things I tend to get worried about. Those things that no one wants now, and maybe no one will want them in the future. But it would be a shame if you just had no choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of wondering if the possible success of Moon on the Switch might just tempt some of the old PSX developers to bring their stuff back. Yeah, it seems to be like there seems to be conventional wisdom in Japan that it's like a burgeoning sector because like for some reason Konami just announced a new IP for the Switch. I don't they don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know why, but it seems like it's drawing back people that might otherwise not have wanted to bother. So you know. Yep. And personally, I was thinking about um, games that mainly appeared on Sega, there was the upgraded version of Linda Cubed for Sega Saturn. We can dream. Yes, I mean, honestly, if Alpha System would ever port that game to anything else again, it would probably be the best version that they chose. Yeah. Let me look at the... I know that... I'm trying to work out if... At, I feel like someone actually just indicated that like someone just tried to clear up the rights to reproduce that in some fashion. Uh, I think it was just on... There was like a poll of what... Oh yeah, this I brought this up not that long ago. There was like a poll among Japanese gamers about what they would want on the... Uh, TurboGrafx-16 Classic, like TurboGrafx-16 Mini, and one of the options was LendaCube, which makes it sound like they had worked out like the possibility of doing it. I don't think it's on there, but it does make it sound like they had at least worked out who owned it well enough to license it if needs be. <laughs> which could be really fun. Yeah. Which could be really fun, because again, this is one of the games that were specifically mentioned in the debates and lawsuits that ended up putting warning like age warning labels on Japanese video games. Yeah, that's that's a fair fair cop for mm-hmm. excuse me. For Linda Cube given the content uh, that is in that object. Oh yeah, just everybody Google Linda Cube um, disturbing cutscenes on YouTube and you shall have some fun. Yeah. It would be nice to get more full context in English. I don't think any fan translation of Linda Cube is ever actually finished. Would be fun. One of those like, but, but like just as an example, in the first games or in the game's first scenario, the main character runs into his girlfriend and she literally smashes him upside the head and into a wall. Oof. And uh, yeah, um, this one of the things that this game got legalized was the uh, was it. Um, violence and grotesque imagery warning label for games. That makes sense. And she j- tells him outright that it that um, if um, if he really wants to be with her, he's going to have to work himself all at least up to level three before he talks to her again. So you actually have to go out, fight beasts, and level yourself up to level three before you can go to her town and talk to her for the next plot event. Hmm. 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 Uh, and then also scenario A ends with the weirdest frickin' boss ever so 
looking at it uh, the most recent uh, like I'm looking at what fan translation efforts exist on Linda Cube and there is someone working on the PS1 and Saturn version of it so maybe one day Uh, yeah uh that's uh that's one of those things that would be nice to see come back. I like I appreciate that whatever excuse they need, like some uh some old developers seem to see the switch as an excuse to come back out of the woodwork, so I'd like to see that become more of a trend. <laughs> yeah. And it might just uh keep the system going for a lot longer as well. How long has the switch been going? Uh, it was a March 2017 release. So okay, so just it's under been three years. years. Yeah, there's reason... The current, like, credible rumors seem to be that Nintendo's intention is to... Like, the Switch is it for them in the sense of, like, future things are going to be iterations upon it rather than starting from scratch, which I'd be fine with. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, um, well, I've been trying to compare, like, resale prices and secondhand prices. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, it's like, the main thing I can I have to really compare to is the PlayStation 2, which I picked up about five years after its release. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of games in the $20 range, $30 range used, and very few under 10 hmm. And in fact, I think the very first game I found for $5 or less for PlayStation 2 was Unlimited Saga. <laughs> oh... So, but um, going around the stores looking at Switch games, it is very hard to find anything under twenty dollars for this platform, and mostly, mostly in the forty to sixty dollar range used. It's interesting. Like it indicates, like a very healthy, uh, yeah, like, I mean, market for it. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about games that have been out for one to two or years, and at most a ten to fifteen dollar price drop from um, wow. between new and used. And, I mean, I'm used to seeing that much in a price drop in six months for a 3DS game. Yeah. In the last like few years. The... So... Yeah. Everything I've ever heard is Japanese. One thousand yen. And that was like a 980 yen um, um, fighting game. <laughs> so yeah. everything physical for the system is fairly well priced up still. I was yeah. kind of interested to see that. It's impressive because everything I've ever heard of uh, everything I've ever heard of the Japanese uh, used market is, indicates like very aggressive price cutting for all their software. So. No, I mean it's not price cutting for the sake of price cutting. It is largely based on the popularity of the titles, and um, especially in the last few years, where a lot of the major secondhand sellers have basically. Um, got themselves like internet cross-connected for pricing mm. you, you start seeing things even out very quickly for certain games mm-hmm. so um that i mean they can just double check on ebay to see what going prices are like and base stuff on that even mm-hmm. um, it's uh yeah i guess i would contrast it with something like you know for the longest time in the u.s it was gamestop and usually what that meant was uh, used price is $5 less than a new price. Doesn't matter what it is. New price goes down seemingly entirely arbitrarily. <laughs> yeah. No, over here, um, it is really based on popular demand somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how to figure it. But like how 
the DS and 3DS Metal Max games all jumped 20 to $30 in resale price for a while after Xeno came out. <laughs> People were like, and, oh, we want a good one of these. <laughs> and Reloaded and 4 are still almost twice as much as Xeno secondhand. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, quite. So, yeah. Um, and Or things like Final Fantasy thirteen was down to like $10 within three months. Yeah, I remember that one was a really infamous one. Like, the, that got uh, coverage over in the U.S. for just how quickly it had fallen in price there. But, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that... I mean, the depreciation wasn't from the quality of the game. You can make jokes here. There um, was so was just, much... So many copies of it. (laughs) Yeah, so many copies got dumped onto the second-hand market three to four months later because everybody had finally finished it. Yeah, like you play a game, you finish it, you trade it back, and then, like, well, everyone else did the same thing, and it sold, like, a million copies, so... Yeah, so that was a very special situation. Very specifically priced to move. Yeah, and it... I mean, its resale price has actually risen quite a bit since then. But it's still pretty low. Mm. So it's just it's interesting to see how the prices are going, and I was trying to figure out exactly where we are in the life cycle for the system. But I am still thinking that we're going to be seeing something similar to the PlayStation Two here. Yeah, it certainly certainly still reads like it's on the upswing. So I think it Massively. just did. Yeah, like it in the U.S. It did like. I mentioned this a few months ago, but it did like 900,000 units just over Black Friday weekend. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, doing, doing pretty well for itself. If they can keep uh, refreshing the line, like just incrementally improving it and not blocking out the old versions for, you know, at least a few years, I think that... It certainly has the path to being a very uh, long, long, a long-term contender, even in the U.S., which is notoriously a little more fickle about mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But let's see. We should probably hit some of the earlier questions as well. Let's see. Uh to start from the top uh, again all of these questions are for Budai thank you again Budai for always having something to ask uh, I like Blue Dragon but thought the character design was kind of generic even though I usually love Toriyama uh, I'm actually going to that's not a question but I but I want to respond to it because I think it's interesting uh, I think it's worth contrasting Dragon Quest's look of Toriyama art in 3D versus uh, Blue Dragons because you see very different takes on 3D Toriyama art and how much more effective Dragon Quest is and I think part of the problem with Blue Dragons is that it erases almost all of the line work yeah like, it kind of flattens stuff out yeah like it, flatten, it flattens it and then pulls it into 3D so it ends up looking like a, a model of the character like original Toriyama art made out of like Play-Doh, whereas like when Dragon Quest happens, like it keeps a lot, it uses that heavy cell shading to keep a lot of the like line details that Toriyama Toriyama art typically has. Yeah, so I think that I 
the designs I don't think are his best work, but I don't think they're terrible. But I think that the way they've been pulled into 3D for Blue Dragon makes them look worse. It makes them look more generic. So would you say it's partly because of the timing of the game and the developers weren't too sure on how to do it properly? Or I wouldn't say so because Blue Dragon is after Dragon Quest VIII by several years. But did those developers work on Dragon Quest VIII? No, absolutely not. But there was a lot. There was a guide of like how to make Toriyama characters look good in three D that they did not follow. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's also compare and contrast Blue Dragon to like the PS two uh, Dragon Ball games, which the first Dragon Ball Z Budokai kind of does the exact same thing in terms of. There's no thick lines. It's all just this very soft 3D design. And it doesn't look very good. It doesn't... Like, it's Dragon Ball characters. There's some of his more distinctive designs. They all look right. But at the same time, they still don't look right. Uh, Mm -hmm. They look like they've erased all the lines and then just sort of pulled it into 3D. And it doesn't look good. If you look at, like... Some of the later PS2 ones that use that cell shading that keep those thicker lines, they look more like his artwork and they look a lot more appealing as a result. Hmm. So do you think Blue Dragon might have suffered from them trying too hard to please everyone on this situation too? I think that, yeah, there's a lot of... Like, there's a lot of problems. I would imagine that part of the problem is just that Artoon had never made a game like this like they were a developer that was started by i believe naoto oshima uh let's see uh he was one of them anyway uh along with a bunch of other like people who had experience at like hudson soft and a few other uh companies but they had never in this capacity ever made a game like this and i don't think that they really had enough time to find uh, how to go about it because they did later do RPGs with stronger art direction and that were received better. They did, especially their last, seemingly last game, they were involved with uh, the last story, which was much more well-received. And I think it was partially that Blue Dragon was kind of their debut on a big JRPG. Yeah. Uh, also, welcome back, Wales. Thank you. We were just discussing. I was just. Uh, we had gone back to the top of the questions, and we're discussing uh, why uh, I don't think that Blue Dragon is able to meaningfully uh, transform Toriyama's art into 3D. Mm, interesting. But here's a question we can all answer: What was your first game you bought on PS4 and Switch? Well. Gaijin can't do the PS4 bit, but... <laughs> I could do a whole lot of other systems, but sure. Um, Atelier Ryza. Good choice. I've heard that one's very good. Yep, and nothing else for a while, because as I was discussing earlier, the secondhand prices are really high still. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, let's see. PS4, I think it was Infamous Second Son. That was like the first thing on PS4 where I was like, okay, that looks really fun. I liked Infamous. I will play more of that. Nice. And for Switch, it was Breath of the Wild because, of course, it was. Of course. (laughs) 
if you bought a Switch at launch and you bought anything else, there was what just many doing? questions about what you were doing with your time. Oh, you could have been playing Skylanders. Could you? Was that a launch game? Yes, it was. Look at the Switch launch games. Like you could have been playing Super Bomberman R. Uh, Meh. That's a good Bomberman, but I mean, like, who was buying that? Uh, okay. Uh, one, two, Switch. Can play some digital cow milking. Uh, let's see, Just Dance. Oh, uh, yeah, there was Skylanders. I think that's the last Skylanders, actually. Yes, it is. Skylanders Imaginators. Like, the franchise was already in the process of crashing into the ground and burning right around that point. <laughs> see. Uh, Wheels might have also bought I Am Setsuna at that time. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was Breath of the Wild, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for PS4... I honestly have no idea. It may have been Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah, I was going to guess it's Killzone Shadowfall. It that was like the been... one thing at launch where people were like, well, this is pretty okay. Uh, it may have been Mercenary Kings. I think that was uh, or some uh, other indie at launch. launch title. Yes, for launch games. Let's give this a look. Here's a full list of PS4 launch day titles. Uh, Our Killzone Shadowfall, Knack, Resogun, Sound Shapes, Escape Plan, Flow. Uh, I can tell you uh, it was not Knack. Oh, <laughs> uh, you don't love Knack? No. It does not appear that Mercenary Kings was available at launch, okay. so. So it wasn't that? I can't believe it wasn't Killzone Knackfall. What else was there? Uh, let me look at this again. I'm looking at the official PlayStation blog's post about it. Uh, this is... Her Did something break... Oh, no. Something broke the layout of this post. Good job. Nice. Uh, let's see. Complete PS4 launch lineup. Angry Birds Star Wars. That's a really of its time tr thing Oof. to exist. Uh, Battlefield 4, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Oh, that's what it was, uh, Battlefield 4. Yeah, that was like the the other first-person shooter that existed and the one that had more name cachet and that people might actually have wanted yeah. to play. DC Universe Online, Flower, Injustice Gods Among Us Ultimate Edition. Just Dance 2014, Killzone Shadowfall, Knack, Lego Marvel Superheroes, Madden NFL 25, NBA 2K14, Need for Speed Rivals, Resogun, Skylanders, Swap Force, Sound Shapes, Super Motherload, Trine 2, Complete Story, and Warframe. So yeah, uh, a set of video games, if ever there were some. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember playing Warframe, which was not the Warframe as you picture it now. Yeah, that game's gone through many changes over the oh. past uh, six, seven years. Yeah, it was like a competitive shooter when I played it. <laughs> and now I think it's Destiny? <laughs> yep. Space Ninja Destiny. I mean, whatever brings in the bucks, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know. 
if we do want to drag this back to earlier uh, any to earlier consoles, anything you want to name that you can remember, I am interested in hearing. Um, so, I think my first Wii U game was Splinter Cells. No, that was that was an early Wii game. I'm thinking of. You're thinking of Double Agent? Yes, on Wii. Yeah. Um, I, I know we played Blacklist for like 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was my first Wii game with Splinter Cell Double Agent. That's a weird choice. There wasn't a ton at launch. And you didn't pick Twilight Princess. <laughs> I had that on the GameCube. That took an extra month. You made a choice. <laughs> no, I didn't have a Wii yet. So oh, that, that sense, or that don't sense. play it. <laughs> See, I think my first Wii game was Super Paper Mario. Which is fine. I love that game. Absolutely adequate. Uh, <laughs> See. Uh, PS3. What would my first PS3 game have been? It, oh, it was MGS4, of course. Um, you're just you're just hitting random like 15 times. Oh no, wait, they're precepts. Okay. Um, let's see. 360. I think it was Gears of War. Uh, PS2. It was. Evergrace. Oof. Not recommended. Very bad. Um, mm-hmm. Dreamcast was Sonic Adventure. GameCube was Luigi's Mansion. Let's see. Let's see. What was your mind? Super Nintendo was Final Fantasy VI. Nice. Which I owned two years before a Super Nintendo. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a. I, I got lucky at a church uh, raffle. Nice. Yes. Um, obviously, Game Boy was Super Mario Land because oh, they're heck or, yeah. you know, Tetris and Super Mario Land. No getting around those. Um, game Boy Advance first game was I think the final was the Fantasy Star Collection and Mega Man Zero together nice. for Christmas that year. Oh, the first one I actually bought for it was, what was it? Advance Wars, though. Nice. Um, first game I bought for DS was actually Children of Mana. It was within the day. first. <laughs> it was within the first three months of the the thing's existence, so there wasn't that much to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, oh yeah, that does remind me. I think my first DS game was probably New Super Mario Brothers because I got it around when the light launched. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I have no idea what the first game I purchased for PlayStation was. It's just there was a lot of them at some mm. point. Um, let's see. First game for PlayStation 3 was, actually for PlayStation 2 was Romancing Saga Minstrel Song. It's nice. a good one to start with. Bought the PS2 and with that game on its launch date. And, we're finally uh, pulled in. Yeah. That, I mean, just watching the videos at, the, at Yodabashi, the video game area was just really awesome. And PlayStation 3 was Final Fantasy 13. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Let's see. Do I have any others that I can remember? GBA was Circle of the Moon. I didn't actually have one at launch. I just really wanted to play a Castlevania. Um, My GBA one was Tactics Advance. Nice. We will brook no dissent on Tactics Advance being good on this podcast, just for the record for anyone who ever writes in. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I got an original Xbox real late. What was my first game on that? Um, I think it was... No, it is completely gone to me. Like, I got a lot very quickly, very cheaply, because it was a very late purchase of an Xbox, so... Hmm. Uh, mine was obviously Halo. Yeah, you were that guy. I have to follow Bungie. Uh, let's see, PS2, it was uh, Final Fantasy X. Oh, man. I remember, like, my brother going out to Blockbuster to rent something, but then he was like, hey, they have FF10 here. We should rent FF10. Like, he calls me on the phone just to let me know that we're going to be playing FF10 when he gets back. Mm -hmm. So that I can clear out whatever I was doing. <laughs> Worth it. I don't actually like FF10 that much anymore, but it's a good memory. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Okay. What's our next boot eye question then? Yeah, let's move to the next one. Should I be hype from Tokyo Mirage Sessions? Yes, there, we're done. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you should be hyped, and by the spelling in your question, you should also be hyper, like Dave is. <laughs> yeah. I'm always hyper, you can't stop me. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, it's good. If you like uh, SMT-style RPGs, specifically... Uh, very Persona-esque in terms of construction RPGs, then Tokyo Mirage Sessions is for you. It does not have the calendar system, though, so don't worry about that. But, let's see. Uh, what is the best minigame? Uh, that's pretty open-ended. If you say Triple Triad, by God. Gwent. I knew it'd be a card game. At least it's not Triple Triad. Uh, Dragon Quest th Dragon Quest 3's board game. Fair. Ooh, that reminds me of the board game in uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Never played that, and that's actually one of the things that makes it a great minigame, is that you can engage as much or as little as you want with it. <laughs> it's just in the menu. <laughs> There was a. Oh, I had something. This is not actually a great mini game to play, but I will never get over the surreality of the imagery involved, and that's the FF7 Chocobo race. 
I have no idea what they were going for with the Chocobo racetrack in that game, but it's insane. Mm-hmm. I hope that whenever FF7 Remake Part 2 rolls around, that we get a, <laughs> a glorious HD recreation of the bizarre assortment of shapes and colors <laughs> that is the Chocobo race. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm just staring at it. There's like just a tunnel that's just a hideous rainbow. It's magic, man. Magic. Magic man. Magic man. Yeah, it's okay. This starts in a rainbow tunnel and then there's like a truly bizarre, like I guess it's a village, but it's full of untextured polygons, so it looks really weird. Then I don't know. There's like lightning inside a cave. I mm-hmm. nope. I've I'm lost now. Big bridge, giant orb, cartoon sun, waterfall, aquarium. Okay, yeah, no. It's, it's such a weird looking area. I love it. Not a great game to play, but very memorable. Let's see. Trying to think of other mini games that are actually good. <laughs> uh, I, I typically don't engage with a lot of these. <laughs> uh, I hear Gwent is pretty good. You keep saying that. Um, <laughs> The Hundred Acre Wood specifically in any Kingdom Hearts game that is not one, where all the minigames are bad. <laughs> <laughs> but in the later ones, the Hundred Acre Wood minigames are actually fun. Oh, speaking of, actually, uh, the Gummy Ship, but only in Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good minigame. Um, let's see. Okay. Let's see. Uh, this one, I, I could probably yell about this a lot. I'm not sure how much it would interest either of you. Uh, would Grand Theft Auto be a better game if it just went full-on RPG, level-ups, EXP, equipment, uh, uh, a la Yakuza? No, I think it would have... It's like the entire point of the game is a bit different from Yakuza. Yeah, it would have much less of a broad appeal. Uh, I mean, you could probably do a spin-off of Grand Theft Auto as a Yakuza-style game, but you wouldn't be doing the crazy car chases as much. Yeah, uh... I feel like the closest they ever flirted with that was San Andreas, and there's a reason they pulled back from it. But I like there's only so much uh, RPG that people want in that. Like the RPG element makes them uh, like they want to put in as much RPG into something like Grand Theft Auto as it does to make the player feel satisfied that like oh my skill at X got better so. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this time I'll be able to outrun the cops or pull off that mission or whatever more effectively. Like, adding more of that in reduces the amount of, like, drop-in fun that people can have with it, and that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. So I think 
I think they're kind of happy with where they have it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, any opinions, Wheels? Uh, nah. I was fully expecting your opinion to be GTA is bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> but let's see. Uh, let's hit this next one, though. In honor of the fact I haven't had to do anything but play games for the last four or so days, what's the longest you've spent playing a video game in one sitting within the last year? Um, one time... Actually, no, that was two summers ago. Let's see. <laughs> I mean, e- even when my wife was in the hospital and my daughter was up in at grandma's for a month, I really didn't play a lot. Yeah, there's only... I binge less than I used to on games. Dragon Quest Eleven did it, though. <laughs> I mean, there was um, the time two summers ago when I just had an entire day to myself and I ended up playing, uh, like, ten hours of Tomb Raider. Wow. So, um, yeah, finally got, I mean, uh, finally got to the point where it should have ended, where you're escaping the exploding hidden city and grabbing a helicopter out, um, and then just stopped after that. Fair. Just because after all that insanity, they, I mean, yeah, I understand that there was more material to use, but still, okay. The player is done. You've reached a climax, and the player is ready to be done. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, for me, the most recent like heavy binge is either Kingdom Hearts 3 or Dragon Quest Eleven, both of which probably got play sessions running into like the 8 to 10 hours. It was easier for Dragon Quest because it was on a portable. <laughs> I think for me it was Luigi's Mansion 3, just because mm-hmm. I could play it with children. Don't have to worry about who's watching. Nope. Mm-hmm. So we had a pretty pretty long session of that near the end of the game. I need to play more than the first couple hours of that. It's really good. I just haven't been ready to commit to long for a while. Played a fair bit of Witcher, but I need to get back to that as well. Too many games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Budai mentions for his part that 12 to 14 hours of death stranding uh, which is far from typical man I wish I had the time to put that much into death stranding <laughs> one day but uh, oh man this this next question I apologize I will try to keep it short because it's gift wrapped to me <laughs> mm-hmm. what do you want from Resident Evil 8 and what do you think we will actually get I think what we're going to get is another game that probably tries to create... Uh, so, like, I think they're it's probably going to play, like, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Like, that feels like the standard they're going for. It is a mix of the more uh, personal... Uh, the more personal touch that having your character on screen does with, uh, and also the generally popular like third-person camera style for those games, but with 
some of the RE7 and RE4 aspects bolted onto it in a way that uh, I think they'll probably find very useful for the future, especially now that they are no they are guaranteed to not be making a VR styled game. Uh, that's the other, that's my other uh, assumption is that Resident Evil 7 being a VR compatible game is likely to be a one off, especially because by the end of RE7's DLC life cycle, they had stopped making the new DLCs VR compatible. Uh, but yeah, uh, I would suspect it will probably tie in more obviously to the main Resident Evil plot slash timeline than RE7 did, where it kind of hid that it was connected until the very end. But, like, it's still kind of try to keep it sort of isolated because I think they're more comfortable with that because it allows them mm-hmm. to more sna- more horror freedom. And that is the buzzer on me talking too much about Resident Evil 8. I don't think I don't think Gaijin cares at all. I don't think Wheels cares that much. <laughs> What's nope. a Resident Evil? You care. You've played Resident Evil. Yeah, I have. <laughs> How much though? Not very much. Not surprised. In conclusion, it'll actually be like Resident Evil Gaiden and be a full-on RPG. Um, That would actually be kind of interesting. Yeah, they did it once, but they farmed it out to a studio that did not have the know-how and budget to make that idea work, and they also put it on the Game Boy Color for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So many mistakes were made. It would be interesting to see someone go back to basics and revisit Sweet Home, since that is the predecessor to Resident Evil and also a full-blooded RPG. But I suspect no one has an appetite to do that. (laughs) Very interesting one-off, though, if you've never played it. Maybe don't necessarily play it, because it's an incredibly mean game that's very easy to get stuck in, but maybe watch a long play. (laughs) There's a lot of that character died and I can't reach their stuff, or I ran out of boards and can't cross this dilapidated hallway. (sighs) Okay, and another thing that all of us, I think, might be able to at least uh, voice an opinion on. Was Shin Megami Tensei 4 a disappointment? No. Um, there are th- ways it could have been better, but it was still a very good game. Yeah, I like. I have to admit that since the mainline SMT games, I have very little like specific expectations for it would be hard to disappoint me on them by unless the game was just bad which it isn't (laughs) (laughs) like they have a fairly consistent approach of being more uh dungeon oriented but that's about as much as i would say they're all uh they all feel like they're connected i have met people who were very disappointed but they seem less like they were the people i've met that are like that are typically people that seem less like they are fans of the mainline shin megami tensei games and more like they are fans of nocturne and they wanted nocturne 2 which it very much is not yeah i mean one of my main thoughts was i really wish that a lot of the alignment stuff had a bigger impact 
and they, they went in more directions like the original Shin Megami Tensei games for Super Nintendo did. But at the same time, no game in the series history has really done that since Shin Megami Tensei 1. Even 2. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 2 still tried, but 1 really had fun with it, um, with branching stuff and oddities and, like, assassinate this guy or that guy or both guys, hey, and it doesn't matter because you get nuked, but... Um, but it seemed important at the time. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, how you could really alter your alignment doing random stuff like recruit a hum particular type of human character and then merge him to make a werewolf and that would lower your alignment one way or another. That makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in 4, it was just very... I mean... It was very difficult to get a neutral ending. It's uh, It almost requires you to game the system, which is really the game's biggest flaw, I would say. No, no I mean, it literally requires you to game the system because you basically have to keep focusing on one side and then do a complete face-heel turn going the other way. You can't focus too far on one side because the that final decision, while very, very, like, powerful in terms of what it does to your alignment, it isn't a complete... Uh, 180. So you have to be tending towards one side, but not committed to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a bad the, system. Unlike the truest neutral ending, which is simply everything gets reduced to nil. <laughs> yeah. On the bright side, if you didn't get the ending you want, don't worry. Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse doesn't bother with it anyway. <laughs> but. Yeah, like the, the way that Law Neutral Chaos is handled in terms of how it selects your ending is a mistake in SMT4, but I think that that's the biggest problem, and it doesn't bother me enough to call it disappointing, a disappointment as a whole. It's just a disappointing implementation. Mm -hmm. I would probably replay Apocalypse sooner, but I think that's just because it's a more modern feeling game it has some niceties and i also just appreciate the uh addition of what's even the thing that i'm going for in describing this i appreciate the plot focus around less used deities in terms of how the smt plots typically go yeah i really should play um apocalypse at some point yeah. Also, Dogda is just a more fun voice in your ear than Burroughs was. Mm. I'd be listening in Japanese anyway, so... Yeah, but I just mean... I don't mean in terms of his voice acting, although his English voice acting was good. I mean just in terms of he has more of a stake in the plot and therefore has a lot more to say about it. <laughs> yeah. So... That's a, that's a good game if anyone passed that over for whatever reason. I know that I knew a few people who didn't get around to it because they thought it was just an updated version like Nocturne Maniacs. But no, it is it is a sequel and it is very interesting. Speaking, speaking of another game, I really need to find time to play at some point. Maniacs or Maniacs Chronicle Edition? The version that came with uh, Devil Summoner Rido too. Okay, so Chronicles Edition, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good game. Uh, just, I mean, just the main, 
the main reason why I haven't been playing a lot in one time in any case is because, hey, I need to be doing most of this portably. Yep. That's not something I can do with Maniacs. Just put the first four SMTs on Switch. Yeah. First five or six, yeah. Just go yeah. for it. I don't know that there's a market for... Uh, if uh, When you say first five or six, are you talking... Are you including... Uh, spin-offs or what? Well, I'm thinking, okay, there's Megaton 1, Megaton 2 for Famicom. Oh, you mean those one, two? 1, 2, and If for Super Famicom. That's 5 so far. Majin Tensei 1 and 2, that's up, we're up to 7. Um, Nocturne is 3. Apocalypse is 4. Strange Journey is somewhere in there unnumbered. Um, I mean... Very if specifically, we're going, if we're going with stuff that is both either numbered, directly numbered for the series and or canonically connected directly to the main numbered games. We're talking about ten different games. Yeah, I don't see them before ever. Before we get into Majin, but... before we get into Persona and Devil Summoner. Yeah. I feel like the the brand I see them never ever touching again is Majin Tensei. But I mean it was I mean they did try to get back into strategy with um with oh, what was it? Um the DS games. Devil Survivor. Uh, Devil Survivor. Yeah, so, that's, so I could see them trying to. I could see them trying to revive Majin Tensei using a similar um, engine or style. Yeah, I just I feel like they wouldn't call it Majin Tensei, but who knows? I know. I mean, they re- they effectively rebooted Persona and Devil Summoner with vastly different game styles. Fair, fair. I just figure if they were going to do that, they would just do it with Devil Survivor. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they probably would have done it already if they really figured they it would be a good they idea. They probably would have called Devil Survivor Majin Tensei. Yeah. Gotta get those sweet uh, DS puns. Yep. Uh, oh man, I never I never got through uh, Record Breaker. I should do that sometime. I mean. <laughs> I mean, Shin Megami Tensei was itself a, a pun breaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a, every single game had to have new or super on it and for that yeah. system at the beginning, and they just used a completely different kanji for Shin. So yeah, instead of new, it was different. That's, uh, the, that's the true kanji, I assume? Yes, the kanji for truth. Or, or re- actuality, reality, a couple other things. Yeah. Basically, the real one. <laughs> Whereas the original two were vaguely based on light novels. Yeah, Digital Devil Story. Yeah, those light novels have been all but forgotten, except by really diehard fans of the games. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, there's also a bad OVA that might be based off of the light novel or might be based off the game or might be a little of both. <laughs> Quite possibly, yes. I've seen it. It's not very good. Um, hey, I've got I've seen, so I've got a copy of the original Persona manga and oh. Persona Una Substantia, which was a much more interesting manga and a manga that I think is supposed to be like a sequel to Shin Megami Tensei If 
where it treat where the characters treated as having as having the entirety of that game as a like almost hallucination <laughs> flashback where it, where it actually happened but he doesn't really remember it happening except in weird dreams until Pixie shows up um, to pull him out of some problems so. that's a cute idea yeah it's like I mean I'm curious like once you get into these franchises that have like a billion things like even just persona like what would you name as like the worst or most misguided like ancillary media i mean it's probably trinity soul but still uh like that's one of the other things that's fun about like these gigantic giganto franchises like what was the worst misstep you made Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hmm worst misstep there's a lot of Megami of Megami Tensei games. Yeah, um, I mean, if Jack Brothers had been anything more important than just a funny little action thing, I would say that'd be a misstep. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the fact that that was the Virtual Boy game is a misstep, but at the same time, I really appreciate like the first English localized Megami Tensei product of any stripe was Jack Brothers Hee Ho at the Labyrinth. Yep. Um, Ronda was probably a misstep. Oh, that game. That is. I've I've ranted about this before. Anyone who doesn't know what that is, go look it up. It's on on the Hardcore Gaming One Hundred and One uh, article because they have some screenshots, and it is perhaps the ugliest three D game I have ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, those those would be up there. And like a lot of the a lot of the various sub franchises have like a first installment that is gameplay quite shaky, even if the story is interesting. Like the original Devil Summoner is not a fun game to play for the most part, even if it is a very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Persona 1 is, uh, like, gameplay-wise kind of trash. Uh, that happened a lot in that early branch-out period for the franchise. Uh, I wouldn't really call those, like, missteps. They were just learning experiences. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we should probably start closing this out since we are out of questions and Wheels sounds like he's about to fall asleep. You're about to fall asleep. I mean, yes, but only in a relative sense. Um, You're yeah. a relative sense. Okay, okay, well. <laughs> okay, have we started borrowing our our insults in grade school again? I mean, I do that when I'm fully awake anyway, so that's not really... Well, anyway, okay, Wheels, Wheels. Yes. Switch game. Yes. Spike Chunsoft action RPG. Spike Chunsoft comes out next month. Comes out next month. In Japan. Huh. Yep. So um, it's called Katana Kami, and I figured you would probably be interested in seeing it since it's a it's a uh, it looks like a Shiren style dungeon game featuring lots of Japanese monsters. Huh. I need to find. I need to find this. I have not heard well, of this. Well, the, the actual Japanese title has Katana Kami written in Romaji. 
Katana Kami, A Way of the Samurai Story. And oh, and it has a TGS video on YouTube, so you can find it easy. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah this is a seemingly officially a spin-off of the Way of the Samurai franchise. Huh. Yep. Yeah, it's oh. a, it says um yeah, Samurai do Gaiden. So yeah, it's about as explicitly that as you can get. Also, I'm looking at this imagery. There is a equipment set that you might be able to... Okay, yeah. If you pre-order it, you get an equipment set called the Wanderer set. No huh. guesses, no points for guessing what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's Spike Chunsoft making it, of course. It's yeah, that. it had to be in there somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that might be interesting. Well, I just came across this on... Play Asia, and it appears there is a English release of this. Is there? It says multi-language. Well, I'm sure it's going to come out in English at some point anyway. Yeah, that does sound... Uh, it seems like the sort of thing that Spike Chunsoft would absolutely release in English. So. I'm going to have to check that out. It has already been rated in Australia. So... If it's coming out there, it's probably coming out here. I would be shocked if we get a physical release of it, but... Uh. Also, there's a physical release of Romancing Saga 3 that I have heard. No, I know. I saw your Twitter. Okay. Speaking of Wheels' Twitter, you can send tw questions to that, but it's not the most effective vector. <laughs> Yeah, I'm more likely to just answer them there and forget. <laughs> As has happened in the past. Yes. Uh, let's see. But you can you can uh, ask questions in other places, too, like the comments section of this very episode. Mm -hmm. See if you can defeat Budai in honorable combat. You probably can't, but you can try. Um, also, the Q&A quest section of the RP Gamer Discord. Uh Questions always welcome there. Usually easier to make sure that, like, don't don't send them to Wheels on Twitter, both because he will answer them and then forget, as well as the fact that you know other people might see them other than Wheels, which is helpful for them getting onto the show. Sure. <laughs> but otherwise, unless we've got more things to say, I think we should sign off. All right. Bye. Tired Wheels has a lot to say, apparently. I felt like I had something to say. <laughs> but brain no worky. We fail English, that's impossible. <laughs> uh, okay, nope, we're done. <laughs> Peace. See you, Space Cowboys. Boy. Town of Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween.